If you have your Bible, turn with me to the Gospel of John in chapter 15. John chapter 15, as we come back to the Gospel of John. And as you turn there, I want you to listen to these words from elsewhere in Scripture. So don't, you don't need to go here to these passages, but just listen to them carefully as we prepare to look at a passage in John's Gospel. 2 Timothy 3.12 says this, Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. It's a ray of sunshine, isn't it? Not not what you wanted to hear this morning. You will be persecuted if you live for Christ. Matthew 5.10 says that blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Then we hear these words, 1 Peter 4, listen to verses 12 through 14. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when His glory is revealed, if you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed because the Spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. What you are hearing from the Scriptures, what you hear there from God's Word, if you are a faithful follower of Jesus Christ, you will be persecuted. You've heard this before. You you may not uh, remember it, but you've heard this before, just as you heard it in the passages I just read. But I want you to think about this. Have you ever been encouraged with this truth? Have you ever been told that because of the persecution that will come on those who follow Christ, because of that persecution, because it's coming, Maybe you're in, in the midst of it. Maybe you uh, certainly you've probably experienced it. Because persecution comes on faithful followers of Jesus Christ, you must love one another. And you're thinking, what does that have to do with persecution? Follow along. Let's think about this together this morning. Because persecution comes to those who are following Christ obediently, Love one another. That's what we're hearing in the text this morning that we're going to look at in just a moment. Love uh, for one another as believers in Jesus is a necessity if you are to be prepared to endure persecution as a faithful follower of Jesus. Already in our study in chapter 15 of John's Gospel, we've heard Jesus command that His followers are to love one another. Now we come to verse 17, and the command is repeated. Obviously, this is important that God's children love one another. And it's certainly for our good that we obey this command. And truly loving one another, like Ephesians 5.25 reminds us to, as Christ loved the church and gave Himself up for her, that is a powerful witness for Christ to the world. As we love one another, as Christ loved us, and gave Himself up for us. But there's another reason for the importance of this command to love one another. It has to do with the 
with a strength and encouragement that believers in Jesus are going to need. You're going to need to be strengthened when you are persecuted for your faith in Christ. You are going to need to be encouraged when you are persecuted because you are living for Jesus. You're going to need this as you seek to live for God's glory in this world. Now think about this. Why is the love of God's children for one another so important? Why is it so important that we love one another when it comes to persecution? Let's look at the text together. So turn with me again. You're, you should be in John's Gospel and uh, chapter 15. Look at verses 17 through 21 and follow along as I read from the English Standard Version. Verse 17, Jesus says, These things I command you, so that you will love one another. If the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own, but because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will also keep yours. But all these things they will do to you on account of my name, because they do not know him who sent me. So again, As in verse 12, Jesus says here in verse 17, I just read it, these things I command you so that you will love one another. Now why is the love of God's children for one another so important? And why is it so important that we love one another? Because persecution comes. The answer is revealed by way of a contrast here in the text. The contrast is the difference between the love of God's children and what and, and how they're to love one another, how they're to show love for one another. So God's children are to love one another, just like parents want their children in the household, love each other, get along with one another, right? God wants His children to love one another, and the contrast seen here is the difference between the love of love God's children are to show toward one another and the lack of love for God's children from the world. The world does not love God's children. In fact, the world hates God and the world hates those who follow God. If you know the Bible, you know that if you are in Christ You can be encouraged that the victory is yours in spite of that bad news I just gave you. That the world hates you because they hate Christ. But you also know by this passage and others, like I read earlier, that there's trouble in this world that awaits the follower of Jesus. And the trouble we're talking about here is trouble in the variety of persecutions the believer will face for being a faithful follower of Jesus Christ. Being faithful and obedient brings the blessings of God. Praise God. But being faithful and obedient also brings persecution from the world. 
But God is able to strengthen you for it and in it. If you are Christ's, victory is yours in Christ. You can count on it. You can take that to the bank. That's a promise that's true. It's a promise that's yours. But also true is that if you are a faithful follower of Jesus, persecution, opposition for your faith, lashing out at you by the world is yours, and you can count on it. We can hear that both things are true. In a passage like uh, this in John chapter 16, we'll get to the chapter 16 in the, in the near future, Lord willing. John 16, listen to verse 33 where Jesus says, I have said these things to you that in me you may have, do you know the word? Peace. Why? Why do we need peace? If we have Jesus, why do we need Why do we need Him to give us peace? He says it next. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart. I have overcome the world. We hear both of those truths, right? The victory is ours in Christ, but persecution will come on those who faithfully follow Christ. So Jesus says, I have said these things to you that that in me you may have peace. Walk with Christ. Walk with Christ in His Word, and you will have peace, you will have contentment, you will have joy even in the face of persecution for your faith. Jesus overcomes the world. You don't have to overcome the world. Jesus does that. Jesus overcomes the devil. You don't have to overcome the devil. Jesus does that. Jesus overcomes the world. Now, who are we talking about? When we talk about the world, the world that is unbelievers, they're not the enemy, you realize, but they are influenced by Satan. They are under the power of Satan. And though believers can be influenced by Satan, believers in Jesus are not under his power. He has no power over them. He can suggest things to you. He can tempt you. But he has no power over you. You are under the power of Christ. On the other hand, unbelievers are under the power of Satan. Yet God's Word gives you hope. God's Word gives you encouragement that in Christ, you too have overcome the world. But that does not remove you from the reality of persecution if you faithfully follow Jesus Christ. The fact that Jesus was God in human flesh did not remove Him from the reality of the fact that He would be persecuted and He would be tortured and killed on the cross. But that was part of God's plan. And we praise God for His his wisdom and His sovereignty. The fact that He is in control. So God's Word gives you hope and encouragement that in Christ you too have overcome the world. This is why the love we're to have for one another is so important. This is one of the ways that God equips the church to endure hardship and endure persecution with joy, with contentment, for God's glory, looking to Christ. The way that we love one another is to help equip us for that. So first of all, we're to love one another because we will not be loved by the world. 
Do not look to the world for love, for approval, for satisfaction. In fact, look to Christ. In fact, the world will hate you if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, especially if you are an obedient follower of Christ. Note what Jesus says in verse 18. Look at it. John 15, verse 18. If the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. Uh, So first of all, don't be surprised if the world hates you, if the world persecutes you. If unbelievers persecute you, don't be surprised. If they don't like the fact that you have faith in God and you believe God's Word and you insist on being obedient to God's Word and, and lash out at you, don't be surprised. They lashed out at Jesus first. And the if here, if the world hates you, the if here at the beginning of verse 18 should be understood as because the world hates you. It's a, it's a certainty. Because the world hates you. That's the idea in the original language, in fact. So the idea here is not if the world hates you, but because the world hates you. Because the world hates you, love one another. You need the commands of Christ and you need to obey them and you need to love one another because if you are a follower of Jesus, you are hated by the unbelieving world around you. Why? Because they hate Christ. They hate God. They hate His Word. They hate being told that they're sinners in need of a Savior. Satan has the world convinced that they should do their own thing and no one should be able to tell them how to live. The faithful and obedient follower of Jesus is no longer of the world. Look at verse 19 and what Jesus points to. If you were of the world, in other words, if you were an unbeliever, if you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not an unbeliever, because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, Therefore, the world hates you. You see, the faithful and obedient follower of Jesus is no longer of the world. You're no longer an unbeliever. You're a believer in Jesus Christ, and you should be a follower of Jesus Christ. You are no longer to be influenced and controlled by Satan's schemes. You're not to be like the world any longer. You don't raise your children like the world raises its children. You don't speak and think and behave like the world speaks and thinks and behaves. You no longer do business the way the world does business. No, you are now to live for Christ. And if you do, because you do, the world hates you. So Jesus says, love one another. Because persecution comes on on faithful and obedient believers, love one another. So love one another because your brother and sister in Christ are going to need the encouragement that you give them when you love them in Christ. When you give them your love because Christ has given you His love. That's not all we see in verse 18. Jesus reminds you that you can expect to be treated, you can't expect to be treated any better than He was treated. You can't expect to be treated by the world any better than the world treated Jesus. 
He was misrepresented. He was lied about. He was opposed. People schemed behind his back. He was persecuted. He was called names. Evil, all kinds of evil was spoken against him and about him. And then he was cruelly tortured and crucified on the cross. And because you are Christ, if you are a believer in and a follower of Jesus, you can expect the same kinds of treatment from the world. And then in verse 20, Jesus says, Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. In other words, don't expect to be treated any better than the world has treated me. If they persecuted me, look at verse 20, if they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will also keep yours. Well, they didn't keep his word, and they won't follow our words that point to Christ. What they need is for God to draw them to himself and open their eyes and open their ears and their hearts to hear the truth of the gospel as we share it to them. But we cannot expect to be treated any differently than the world has treated our Savior. So love one another, says Jesus. Love one another. Because you can't expect to escape persecution from the world. If you're truly obedient and faithful to Jesus Christ, you you can expect to be treated the way they treated your Savior, your Master, your Lord. Jesus was obedient in all things to the Father. This brought persecution from unbelievers. And those who are obedient to Jesus Christ, just as He was persecuted for His obedience, they also, you also will be persecuted for your obedience. So Jesus says, love one another. And we must, we must love one another because this persecution will, will not simply appear like a mild dislike. There might be some of that. You might get a, a sense of that. Well, people dislike you mildly. But persecution is bound to get worse than that. You may be passed over for a promotion at work. You may be spoken evil of by those around you. You may be falsely represented to people around you. Those who are obedient to Jesus Christ, just as He was persecuted for His obedience to God the Father, can expect to be persecuted for their obedience. So we must love one another because this persecution will not simply be something like a mosquito flying around your head that you can wave away and be done with. The persecution faithful believers in Jesus will experience is, we just call it hatred. The world hated your Savior, crucified Him. I think sometimes we're shocked by what we see in the world when people push back against the truth of the Scriptures. And we shouldn't be shocked. We shouldn't be surprised. They did it to Jesus. Unbelievers are doing it now. 
to believers in Jesus Christ when they speak the truth of God's Word and, and suggest that there ought to be some sort of morality in the world in which we live. As we're guided by God's Word, we get persecuted. Hatred. The world hated and crucified Jesus Christ because the world hates Him. He will hate you and hate those who bear the image of Christ. Hate those who remind them they need to be saved from their sins. The world will hate those who identify themselves as followers of Jesus Christ by their obedience to Him. The world is fine with you calling yourself a Christian if you don't live like one. But when you start living like a believer, when you start being obedient to the Lord Jesus Christ, that's when persecution will come. So Jesus says, love one another. You're going to need the love of your brothers and sisters in Christ, and they are going to need your love for them, guided by the work of the Holy Spirit and the Word of God in your heart as you seek to love one another. And as you are persecuted, you're going to need the encouragement and the strength of one another as you wait for the Lord, as you wait for Him to call you home or, or to return from you for you. That's why Jesus gives this reminder in verse 21. Look at verse 21 again. So helpful here. But all these things they will do to you on account of my name because they do not know him who sent me. Why do they do this? Why do unbelievers persecute believers in and followers of Jesus Christ? Because they don't know Christ. They don't know God. They don't know his word. They aren't controlled by the spirit of God. Unbelievers persecute believers because they have not believed in Jesus Christ. And they don't know God. And they lash out against God. And they lash out against people who represent Him. So if, if you are an obedient believer in Jesus, don't think that it's strange. Why is this happening to me, God? You might be tempted to say that. That might be the first thing you say. Why me? Haven't I obeyed you, Lord? Am I not seeking to honor you? I know I'm not perfect, but am I not seeking to honor you with my life? Why am I persecuted? But Jesus says, don't, don't think this is strange. Don't be alarmed. Faithful believers in Jesus will be persecuted for, by the world. Persecuted for their faith in Christ. So, how should we respond? How should we respond when persecuted? First, the point Jesus makes here in verse 17 needs our full attention. Look at verse 17 again. These things I command you. Um, Jesus isn't about making suggestions. Three suggestions for dealing with persecution? No, no, that's not what Jesus says. These things I command you so that you will love one another. So how should you respond when persecuted? Remember, we need to love one another. But there's help in God's Word showing us how to respond to persecution. And at first, your natural inclination might be this. It might be to withdraw from the fellowship of your brothers and sisters in Christ, failing 
to show love to them by being in their midst, by encouraging them. Doing yourself a disservice by removing yourself from the fellowship of the church. So your first, your natural inclination might be to withdraw from the fellowship of your brothers and sisters in Christ. And you may be tempted to go into self-protection mode. And you shut down and you remove yourself. You're trying to remove yourself from the persecution and remove yourself from other people. But first, you must be certain that you aren't neglecting the command of Christ to love one another. It helps. It helps to not always think of yourself. Especially when you're being persecuted. It's easy to say, woe is me. Poor me. Why me? The problem is that you focus on yourself too much when that begins to happen. Begin to look for ways that you can honor God by loving your brothers and sisters in Christ. This is why Hebrews 10 verse 25 reminds believers to not withdraw from fellow believers. Don't neglect gathering when it says, verse 25 of Hebrews 10.25, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. The day of Christ's return. And guess what, believers? Life for believers, for followers of Jesus Christ, as we near, as we get nearer to the return of Christ, things are going to get more difficult. Things are going to get harder for believers in Jesus Christ as we get nearer the return of Christ. So Jesus, so God's Word gives us this challenge that we not neglect to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And why? And all the more, as you see the day drawing near, when you're persecuted, you are going to need the love of your brothers and sisters in Christ. This is why we're here. Partly why we're here. We gather together because we need the Word of God, but we also gather together as God's church because we need each other. And when you're persecuted, you're going to need the love of your brothers and sisters in Christ to help support and encourage you and point you back to the truths of God's Word. So don't withdraw because you don't suffer alone. You need to know that. And you have brothers and sisters in Christ who are placed into your life so that they might encourage you with the word of truth. Encourage you to keep trusting in God's word. Encourage you to keep walking with Christ. Encourage you to stand firm in the truth of the gospel and not be moved from it. No matter what kind of persecution you face, you are not the only one who is persecuted for the sake of Christ. And you are not alone because you have the church. You can also model the love of Christ for others by not withdrawing so that others are encouraged. They're encouraged by your love for them. Note also that your response to persecution can be and should be one of rejoicing. Now, that seems strange, doesn't it? Rejoice? 
How am I to rejoice when I'm persecuted? That seems counterintuitive. Why would you rejoice over being persecuted? Now, trust me here, we're not talking about throwing a party, you know, a persecution party. Hey, let's have a party on Friday because we're being persecuted. That's not what we're talking about. That's not what Jesus is talking about. But listen to what Jesus says elsewhere. Matthew chapter 5. Listen to verses 11 and 12. Matthew 5, 11 and 12. Blessed are you. When others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account, rejoice and be glad for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. And so they would persecute Jesus who is before you. So if you are persecuted for being a follower of Jesus, rejoice that you are God's child. You ought to always have something to rejoice over, and you always have that to rejoice over, that you are God's child. That if your faith is in Christ, you are kept by Christ. Rejoice that you are God's child and that you are blessed because you are God's child. Rejoice in that. You don't rejoice over the persecution necessarily, but you rejoice in this truth that the persecution points to, that you're Christ's child. Joy in the midst of persecution may not be, will not be, your natural inclination. Not in the flesh, but in Christ, with the Word informing your thinking, guiding your living with the Spirit living in you to help you bring to bear the truth of God's Word, you can turn to joy, and you can sense the contentment that's yours in Christ, even in the face, even in the midst of persecution. And because you belong to Christ, you can rejoice that you are Christ's that you are His, and that you are seen as belonging to Him. That's one thing persecution points to, that you belong to Christ. And rejoice in this, that, that your reward in heaven is great. The rewards in heaven, you might say, are out of this world. They're like nothing the world can give you. They're like nothing the world can promise you. The rewards in eternity for those who are Christ's are great. Rejoice in that. You may have a hard time rejoicing in the here and now that when you face persecution, but you can rejoice that you're a child of God. You can rejoice that God cares for you and provides for you and keeps you, and your reward in heaven is great. Thirdly, how else should you respond? Note, Note this third response. Your response to persecution should also be one of, go with me here for a moment, should be one of love toward and prayer for those who persecute you. Now that's not going to be easy. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 44, but I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. 
We hear it also in Romans 12 and verse 14. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Now, how can you bless those who persecute you? You can bless them by praying for them. What do I pray for them? That God will settle the score for me? Pray, no, pray for their salvation. Pray for God's grace and mercy shown to them as He showed you His grace and mercy. Pray for their salvation. That's how God's children are to respond when persecuted. So when you're persecuted, because you are faithfully obeying Christ, because you are identifying yourself as a believer in Jesus by your obedience to Christ, instead of lashing out at those who persecute you, instead of praying imprecatory prayers, asking God to, to have His way with those nasty people who are doing you harm, instead pray for their salvation and ask God to give you wisdom to love them in spite of themselves. Like Jesus loved you in spite of yourself before He saved you. Seek to love them in the name of Christ. Pray for their salvation and seek to love people who persecute for God's glory. Love them in the name of Christ. When persecuted, follow the example of Jesus when he was persecuted and accept the persecution that identifies you as a child of God. That doesn't mean you need to celebrate it but and you can pray that God would relieve you from that persecution, but also don't be surprised by it and don't let it discourage you and don't let it cause you to lose hope because you don't return evil treatment for evil treatment. You most faithfully share in the testimony of Jesus Christ. When you love those who persecute you, you identify again yourself with Christ. That's how He treated those who persecuted Him. When Jesus was persecuted, He did not lash out at those who persecuted and even crucified Him. But this is what Jesus prayed. You know this, you've heard this, Luke 23 and verse 34. Father, this is what Jesus prayed. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. How do you respond to persecution when it comes? Because you're being obedient to the Lord Jesus Christ. First of all, when, you, when you're persecuted, don't withdraw from the fellowship of the church, but pursue the fellowship of your brothers and sisters in Christ who can encourage you to remain, to remain faithful to the Lord. When persecuted, secondly, rejoice that you are God's child, that your reward is great in heaven, and that you are kept by Christ. Your fellow believers can help you remember that too. So that's one of the reasons you don't withdraw yourself from the fellowship of the church. Your fellow believers can help you remember that you are kept by Christ and your reward is great in heaven and you are blessed by God. And then thirdly, when you're persecuted, don't lash out in anger at those who persecute you, but pray for them and seek to love them as Christ loves you and gave Himself up for you. Consider it an opportunity to be a witness for Christ, 
by your obedience, by your joy, by your contentment, because you're looking to Christ. You're not paying attention to the persecution as much as you're paying attention to the Lord Jesus Christ and what He has attained for you by His sacrifice and how He is keeping you eternally. We've got to praise God for that. We also ought to pray for His help.